Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Dr. Elena Villanueva. She is the Chief Health Coach with Modern Holistic Health, and she's here today to talk to us about data-driven solutions for anxiety and depression. You can visit her at balanceyourbrain.com, and we actually have a free brain balancing ebook for all of our listeners here, and we'll be sharing the code for that at the end of the podcast to let you know how you can get your free ebook today. I want to thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Definitely. So can you maybe just give us a little background? As a holistic healthcare practitioner or working with a more holistic approach, um, what is your philosophy on those neurodegenerative disorders, mental disorders, and some of those common things that so many people are experiencing now, like anxiety, depression, et cetera? Well, we certainly are seeing a stark rise in the incidences of neurodegenerative disease and anxiety and depression and even suicide rates. Mm -hmm. It's pretty startling. And I can tell you that it is reversible, it is preventable, and the drugs are really not the long-term solution in most cases. Mm -hmm. So... When you have a patient come into your clinic, uh, can you, I guess, just kind of give us the major uh, milestone, so to speak, of how you work to help that person through that problem? Well, we are very data-driven. It really doesn't matter what people come to us for. So if, if you were to come see us with whatever issue that you have, but we'll focus on some sort of neurological issue, mm-hmm. we want to look at data because we want to find out what the underlying root causes are Mm. that are giving you the symptoms of the anxiety and depression or the bipolar, you know, with the mood swings Mm. um, or the memory loss or the mind racing or the brain fog or whatever it is. And so we run a series of labs. The data doesn't lie. The labs will tell you every single time what's going on. Mm. The key is looking at enough labs so that you're, in essence, looking under enough stones <laughs> to find all of, the, all of the things that could be going awry in the body, mm-hmm. right? Because you could have several different things going on. It could be something as simple as an offending food, believe it or not, that could be causing the problem. I can't tell you how many times that I have seen people, uh, once we remove gluten out of their diet, that their bipolar symptoms completely are eliminated. They completely go away. Um, It was causing such an inflammatory response to their body and their nervous system that it was altering their brain chemistry and giving them symptoms of mood swings, very, very severe mood swings with a lot of anxiety, right? Um, Maybe it's leaky gut in combination with a food sensitivity, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they have an underlying infection. We see that all the time too. So it's, you know, 
It's just looking at enough data to find what the underlying causes are. Typically, there's more than one root cause. Typically, we have cascaded into several things that are going on in the body by the time that we go see someone, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to find what the root causes are. And, you know, if you have a, a gluten issue that's causing the brain chemistry, uh, you know, problems um, combined with leaky gut, and then you have H. pylori infection on top of that, H. pylori causes severe anxiety. Mm. There are many different infections that are known to cause psychological changes um, within the brain. And once we eliminate the infections right, then the symptoms completely go away. And unfortunately, in our allopathic or traditional medical system, doctors are not looking for the underlying causes. Mm -hmm. They're looking to give a diagnosis, which is a name given to a set of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then based on that name or that diagnosis, they have a, a set of pharmaceuticals that they can choose from out of the bag. But with brain chemistry imbalances, it's not always a serotonin issue, right? And as we know, most of the medications out there on the market, the majority of them are designed to prevent the breakdown of serotonin so that you can hopefully build up more serotonin in your brain. But we find oftentimes that the reason why those medications don't work, right, is because it's not a serotonin issue to begin with. Wow. So can you talk, I guess, a little bit more uh, about the labs that you're doing? Because uh, you're definitely right that I think serotonin is kind of the big player a lot of people think about. Um, but it sounds like, you know, part of this holistic approach is looking not just at one neurotransmitter and trying to maybe use like a lever to change this one neurotransmitter in the brain. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about the labs and all the different neurotransmitters you're looking at? Absolutely. So... One of the labs that we like to run is a urinary neurotransmitter test. So it's a urine test where we look at the brain chemicals, and we are looking at several of the big players. Serotonin is not the only problem. You could have perfectly normal levels of serotonin, but you could have issues with your epinephrine or norepinephrine or PEA levels or dopamine or GABA or glutamate levels. And if you have issues with those, those could completely give you the same symptoms Mm. as if it were a serotonin issue. And so, you know, we are looking at several of the neurotransmitters, many of of what I mentioned. So Mm -hmm. serotonin, dopamine, GABA, um, epinephrine, norepinephrine, glutamate. We're looking at PEA levels and ACH levels. And so we're able to look at all of that. We're also able to look at other testing that shows us um, the metabolites that are, or the byproducts that are produced or not produced if your brain chemistry is balanced or unbalanced. Wow. And those are organic acids testing. And the organic acids testing looks at much more than just that. Mm -hmm. You can look at metabolites of the body and you can look and find out all kinds of information about the body, not just the neurotransmitters. We also like to look at GI mapping. GI mapping is a uh, gastrointestinal uh, test that we can do where we can look to see what the biome or microbiome of the gut is doing. Are the good bacteria, 
you know, are there enough of them? Mm. And do we have them exactly the way that they're supposed to be? Do we have any bad bacteria in there? What about parasites or viruses or fungal infections, right? Mm -hmm. Because remember what I said a minute ago is that a person can have infections and that can completely throw their brain chemistry off kilter. And they can suffer for years and never know what's going on, Wow! right? And so that's another test that we like to do. Genetic testing is another testing is another set of, of tests that we like to do so that we can uh, take a look at the genes that are driving the production of our brain chemicals and the breakdown of our brain chemicals. Wow. And if we see that there are mutations in those genes and we see that the brain chemicals are actually uh, showing evidence that maybe those genes are malexpressing, then we know what to do to so to speak, like get into the side door to make the gene express <laughs> properly again. Right. Your genes are not going to tell you or determine if you're going to be healthy or have health issues. That's only 5%, right? It's, it's your environment. That's mm. 95%. Your environment, the foods that you eat, the nutrition that you have or don't have, the, uh, the lifestyle choices that you make that influence 95% of your genetic expression. Wow. So if we can go in and we can take a look at all of these different labs and we can see what's going on or what's not going on in the body, <laughs> then we know what steps to take to start getting the body back in order again. Right. And, you know, I'd, perhaps this is a kind of goes without saying, but it really does kind of elaborate on the holistic approach that you really are taking into account these different physiological factors that have, like you said earlier, psychological effects. So where we oftentimes associate physiological issues with maybe pain or other physical symptoms, um, I think it's very interesting that uh, so much of that uh, maybe internal physiological stuff, maybe in the gut or other parts of the body can actually manifest as those psychological symptoms that many of us have just kind of resigned ourselves to, oh, I have anxiety or I have, I like you said earlier, especially for those who've received a mental health diagnosis from a doctor. Um, the tests that you run looking at the brain chemistry and these different things, are those tests done in the allopathic medicine? So when you go to a psychiatrist and you receive one of those diagnoses, are those also based on these types of tests? Typically not. If, if they were based on those types of tests, they wouldn't be giving pharmaceutical medic, they would not be giving pharmaceuticals as an answer. Wow. If they were doing these types of tests, if they were doing these types of tests, they would see what the underlying causes are and they would be fixing the underlying causes. Hmm. It's also interesting that from an insurance perspective, that diagnosis that they give you is part of how they end up charging your insurance for that thing. So I've heard from certain doctors that there's actually almost um, an incentive for doctors to give those mental health diagnoses to a patient so that they can, A, start prescribing those different medications, uh, and B, be able to give something to the insurance company that like, hey, this person has this diagnosis. Um, but it sounds like the work that you're doing in your clinic um, 
like you said, is actually much more based in the data, in the lab results of the patient who comes in, um, whereas a lot of those, or I believe all of those psychiatric diagnoses are just based on interviews largely. They absolutely are. They're just based off of a set of symptoms that uh, they gather from getting a, a detailed history with with the patient. But it just, it absolutely doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. This system that we have is failing us, right? I mean, we all know that it's failing. More and more people at younger and younger ages now are having mental health problems. Mm-hmm. We have more people than ever before struggling with anxiety and depression. We have more people than ever before falling into... Um, early onset of Alzheimer's and dementia. And we have more people than ever before committing suicide. This is completely unacceptable. It doesn't need to be that way. We are successful with over 90% of the clients that we work with. And it's because we're looking and we're finding the underlying root causes and we're taking care of those problems. You know, giving someone a diagnosis and giving them medications and sending them home, that's a cop-out. That's not real medicine. I agree. (laughs) And it makes me really angry to see that more and more people are getting put on so many different medications. I have clients who will come to me that are on five different psychotropic meds, five. You know, they're on Lamictal and they're on Xanax and they're on, you know, three other different medications. I don't even know how they're even functioning. Within a year, they're they're typically off of their medications and they're feeling better than they've ever felt before. Wow. You know, we see younger and younger children that are being put on psychotropic meds. That's that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And 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 these medications are not making people better. If they were making people better, we wouldn't have a rise in the incidence of psychological issues that we're having. Right. Right. And you wouldn't see all of these people walking into your clinic no. saying, <laughs> help, this isn't working for me. Why yeah. isn't this working for me? And I mean, could there be a more devastating um, thing to be experiencing than a health issue that is affecting your energy, your positivity, your ability to be motivated, um, especially when a lot of these things have to do with taking on healthier lifestyle practices and making these decisions. For so many of these patients who are struggling with these different symptoms of the underlying root cause, that's maybe making it really difficult for them to even begin implementing those types of changes. Um, you had talked earlier about the Balance Your Brain ebook, and that you've kind of laid out maybe a crash course that someone could use, um, even if they aren't able to come in and actually uh, receive the lab tests from you and work with you directly. Can you talk a little bit more about what that process would be for someone to maybe um, start hopefully resolving this this problem? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy to to share that with you. Um, I have poured my heart and soul into helping people or, you know, learning what underlying causes can be for neurological disorders. Um, And a lot of that stems from my own story. As you probably know, like most health practitioners and ended up having a family member or Mm. themselves who struggled with some sort of a health issue. And, and they ended up becoming an expert, you know, in that, in that field. And, um, you know, I once struggled with anxiety and depression. And my father committed suicide. Mm. And I have a cousin who also committed suicide. Mm. And, and I, was, I was 
I was determined in my life to find real answers and real solutions because the medications don't work most of the time. And so in my own journey, um, you know, I, I, I learned that, and, and these are some of the things that you're going to see in, in the book, I learned that removing certain offending foods changing your lifestyle, getting out of the toxic relationships, getting out of the unhealthy lifestyle choices like drinking alcohol every evening, right? Mm. Oh, well, I'm just going to wind down and have a scotch. Or I'm going to wind <laughs> down and have my glass of wine because it's good for me because I saw it on TV, you know? <laughs> or or um, um, I'm going to, you know, come home every day after work, after I've been stressed out, and I'm just going to plop on the couch and relax because I'm too tired to go take a walk or I'm too tired mm. to go out. I don't have the energy. To I don't do have the, the energy. Or... Yeah. So, you know, lifestyle choices, food choices, um, uh, re- removing toxic chemicals out of your environment as much as you can. Um, these are things that I not only went through the journey myself mm. and I put this stuff into this ebook, but these are the same solutions that we use with our clients, no matter what the actual underlying causes are. Mm-hmm. There are still some foundational yet powerful solutions that if you implement them, there's no way that you won't feel better. Mm-hmm. So we talk about the infamous gluten <laughs> and, you know, every holistic doctor talks about it. People for years have been not wanting to face the facts about, about <laughs> gluten, but gluten is inflammatory. Now, what makes gluten even worse in the United States is that it's contaminated with glyphosate, which is a pesticide. It's genetically modified into our grains. And so it's a double whammy. All right, so where gluten can be inflammatory, if you're eating gluten in this country, you're getting like a double or triple whammy. Oh, you're wow. getting, uh, you know, even more added inflammation. So remove gluten. I mean, you can get anything that you want gluten-free these days. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. And, you know, where 15 years ago... Uh, food that was gluten-free tasted terrible. I mean, it really (laughs) did. I remember trying it. It was gross. But you can find anything you want gluten-free now that Mm -hmm. tastes absolutely fantastic, from breads to tortillas to pastas, you know, pancake mix, you know. um, And and they even have more more protein in them, right, because they're made with almond flour or coconut or cassava root. So they're actually healthier ways to, you know, get in a pancake if you're going to do something like that. Right. So I do talk about that as one of my steps in the book. I also discuss removing sugar because sugar is the root of all evil. <laughs> it really, really is, right? And we consume we consume more sugar than any other country in the world, mm. right? And sugar causes so much neurological damage. Just by removing sugar out of your diet, you, you know, you can literally stop the onset of Alzheimer's from removing that out of your diet. Wow. Sugar is super, super toxic to the body, and it actually decreases blood flow to the brain and causes a lot of other problems, right? right. We, we know that sugar causes inflammation. We know that sugar alters our metabolic functions. What a lot of people don't realize is that sugar completely destroys your brain. 
Wow. Right? So we need to remove that. And we talk about that in the ebook. We talk mm-hmm. about so many other things. Um, we talk about gut repair in the ebook, right? And so, and so, you know, I've got 12 steps in there. And 12 step program. It's, I like that. <laughs> it's a 12 it's a step program. And, and if you, you know, seriously and truly, if you implement these things, there's no way that you're not going to see some improvement. Now, you may need additional handholding. You may need that extra coaching. You may have a more complicated case. Right. Where, you know, that's where in my 13th step I talk about get a health coach. Get somebody who knows what they're doing. Get someone who knows, you know, how to interpret the labs, what labs to order. Get someone who is passionate about you know, brain chemistry imbalances and neurodegenerative disease. Mm. And, and, and you're going to be in really good hands. Right. And there's just so many resources now for um, finding healthy recipes, finding even meal kits delivered to your door that you can, you know, I believe uh, there's a service called Plate Joy, mm-hmm. and you can actually tell them all of these different food restrictions you have, um, and they will give you all these different recipes. It's easier now than it's ever been to actually start implementing some of these changes, whether it's finding the ingredients that you need or recipes, you know, it can feel a little overwhelming for people to hear, I have to stop gluten and stop sugar. But really and truly, now more than ever in history, there are so many resources out there to help make this something really realistic for people to implement and really delicious for people to implement because they've found ways to um, make the foods still taste really delightful and really yummy and enticing, um, but without including so many of those extremely harmful ingredients. That's absolutely true. You know, I find that more and more people don't cook anymore, <laughs> or they actually have like no clue of what to do in the kitchen. So That's you're true. right, you know, Plate Joy, Sun Basket, Green Chef, you know, some of these uh, companies will uh, will literally have everything ready for you. You just mm-hmm. like open it and it's ready to eat. Yeah. And then you have, you know, other companies like Green Chef that will send you the ingredients and teach you how to cook, right? right. Because it's got the the um, recipe there and it shows you, you know, chop this, saute this, right. bake this and put all this stuff together and here you've got a great meal. But you're absolutely right. It's easier than ever. And in some cities, there are farm-to-table restaurants that abound, like mm-hmm. here in Austin, right? We're so lucky here we because we have that. But, you know, I have clients up in the Midwest, and they don't have the access to organic produce like we do. Well, I went online, and I found an organic produce company that will ship weekly ship, weekly shipments, mm. right, of whatever is in season off their farm. Wow. And so really, I mean, it doesn't matter really where you are these days, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there are resources out there for Definitely. you. Definitely. And if you can just start in the kitchen yeah, or start with what you're eating, right, right? Start there and then work into some lifestyle changes Mm -hmm. like exercise or taking a walk, some meditation, Mm -hmm. things like that, right? Because you have to you have to work on the stress side of it as well. Right. And I think, you know, really keeping in mind, too, that as you start to 
implement some of these changes and you really start to feel better, suddenly these other changes that you want to make may even seem easier to approach. So we took the example earlier of I don't have the energy to exercise. I'm so exhausted and I'm so just drained after my day of work. I can't even imagine, you know, doing exercise or something. So as you maybe start to, you know, substitute natural sweeteners for that highly processed, often GMO sugar, maybe you start to actually have more energy and that makes it easier to take on some of these other um, other choices. You absolutely will. You know, just take it a step at a time. Baby steps, right? But start, you know, start with the steps in the ebook. Mm-hmm. Just take it one step at a time. Implement one of the of the things each week, right? Implement one step each week. And when you do change the foods, you actually do start to feel better. The brain fog starts to lift. Yeah. You start to have more energy. You start sleeping better, right? Especially when you cut out the evening scotch <laughs> or that evening glass of wine. Right. You will sleep better. So many people think that, oh, it helps me wind down and it helps me sleep. It does not help you sleep better. Right. You don't get that deep restorative sleep that you need so that your brain can be healthy and so that the rest of your body can be healthy. So if you just, you know, take the 30-day challenge, right? Right. I mean, anybody I can do anything for 30 days. Implement what's in the ebook, implement all the steps in the ebook for 30 days and see how you feel. I love that. Yeah. You know, just to go back for a moment onto the topic of of gluten and sugar, because these are things that I have um, worked on, you know, trying to remove from my diet over the last couple of years, and actually really did notice um, kind of significant changes. So, you know, one of the other factors relating to gluten, and especially that uh, enriched wheat flour, which is basically in all of your um, processed foods, anytime you're you know, most restaurants, most loaves of bread, anytime I look at the ingredients, you see that enriched flour. So now not only are you getting the gluten, but you're getting in a form where a lot of the nutritional parts of the grain have been completely removed from it. So you're getting a huge blood sugar spike. You're getting all of these other issues. You mentioned also the glyphosate, the GMOs. There's just kind of all these adding insults to injury sort of thing. Um, But I noticed when I started trying to make a proactive decision, um, I noticed that I wasn't getting as hangry, as they say. Yes. You know, I think that component of our our blood sugar metabolism um, is so important for people to really understand how much just that one factor of your body trying to control your blood sugar levels can have huge effects on your mood. I mean, when you're constantly eating the sugar eating the refined flour and getting those constant spikes of insulin and constant blood sugar spikes, what it's doing to your mood and your ability to um, stay calm, to handle stress, which we all live in stressful environments, stressful life. So it comes down to like, how can we handle the stress and approach it in a way that it's not going to be more damaging to us? Um, But when you start implementing those little changes and you feel less of that extreme hunger, less of that irritability that kind of comes when your body is kind of frantically trying to get your blood sugar in order. Mm -hmm. So there's just all of these different elements that 
um, that kind of come into play, so to speak, when you start just trying to make those healthier switches. And I love what you said, um, just changing things out, maybe implementing one tip per week. Um, I'm all about as, you know, in my health coaching, I'm all about trying to give people really simple solutions that they can implement. And when you mentioned about working with a health coach, I think that's one of the things that we really aim to do is take the goal that the person wants to have eating healthier or better sleep or whatever it is, and then try to help them understand ways that, okay, here's how we actually implement this. Here's how we can make this something easy to work into your life. Um, and sometimes it can be helpful to have another person who's helping you with that. Um, it can feel like a lot on a person to, oh, I have to make all these changes and I'm already feeling terrible. Um, so I just always encourage people to reach out to those different resources because there are so many people out here trying to help and trying to offer um, the information and the support to help make this something that you can do. That's absolutely true. I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, even coaches need coaches, right? <laughs> even even coaches need coaches. And, and you know, that's the best thing that someone can do to invest in their health. You're either going to pay for your sickness, right, or you're going to pay for your health. Mm. And, you know, how much is it worth to you to live a quality of life, to have quality in your life, Right. Because if you stay in the model that we've all been raised in, the model that's failing us, our current medical model, it's a reactive model. They're going to give you medication, give you medication, give you medication until you end up in the hospital. Then they, what, give you more medication mm. or cut something out. And, and they're not, they're never fixing the root cause of the problem. So as the years go by, you keep getting worse and worse mm. and worse. And then you end up, you know, in a nursing home when you're in your 70s. It's not It's not necessary to go in that direction. Mm. I, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be skiing the mountains of Vail when I'm 90 years old. <laughs> all right? Like, I'm going to be hiking and I'm going to be super, super healthy. You know, I'm almost 50 right now and I'm healthier now than I was in my 30s. I I'm shocked to hear you so, say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You look amazing. Thank you. You look amazing. Thank you. And and it, it really makes a difference what you do with your lifestyle. Yeah. It's We cannot ignore that anymore. Mm -hmm. We need to be proactive. You know, some people will say, oh, organic, it's so expensive. Well, you shouldn't be thinking about it that way. You know, turn it around and look at it from the perspective of why is this other food so cheap? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with it right. that it's so cheap, right? And Put, why doesn't it expire? That's that's pretty scary. <laughs> why doesn't this Why doesn't this food expire? <laughs> and what's in it that I can't pronounce? What's in it? Mm -hmm. You know, why can't I pronounce all of these names on the label of the ingredients? If right. you can't pronounce it, stay the hell away from it. <laughs> um, you know, to maybe delve into another uh, common food chemical, because uh, you mentioned that one of the neurotransmitters that you look at is glutamate. Um, so that makes me think about monosodium glutamate, one of those really common food chemicals, which often assumes uh, hidden names like yeast extract, sodium caseinate, um, and I see these things on almost everything. 
Um, I'm very, very picky about reading my food labels and trying to avoid certain things. And so I've really become um, highly aware, acutely aware of how many foods these things are contained in. Um, so how does monosodium glutamate affect our health? Is that going to maybe be one of those food chemicals that can have um, maybe be an underlying root cause? Oh, absolutely it can. But you can add it to the list, right? It's not just MSG. You have, you know, almost any type of preservative out there, almost any type of chemical additive that's, you know, added to our food is going to cause us problems and not just um, neurological issues or symptoms of headache, but it can cause also um, autoimmune issues and it can completely destroy your gut biome, which is going to lead to a whole handful of issues, right? I mean, right. if you don't have a healthy gut, it's going to affect your brain chemistry, your immune system. It's going to affect your body's ability to regulate inflammation. It's going to affect your thyroid, your mm. hormones. I mean, it's a whole cascade effect. Right. And, um, and so, you know, th- th- we really want to shop on the outer edge of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You really want to shop on the outer edge. If you go down an aisle... Maybe it's for quinoa. Maybe it's for wild rice. Don't go to the bread aisle. Just stay away from the bread aisle. You know, stay away from just about everything else that's there. You know, some spices, maybe some wild rice, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But look at, you know, look at the ingredients. Always look at the ingredients. If, you, if there's something in there that you can't pronounce, just walk away from it. Right. Just because it's being sold in the grocery store or just because it's on the shelf or just because the FDA approves it does not mean that it's okay and that it's safe. Right, right. I think, too, you know, after um, years and years of being one of those people who, um, I mean, I would spend, you know, four, five hours at the grocery store sometimes because I would really read the label of everything. After a while, I was like, this is ridiculous. A, there's too many chemicals to keep track of. B, Every single one of these foods I pick up, if it's got an ingredient list with more than like three or four ingredients, it's going to have one of those crazy, you know, EDTA, which is actually ethylene diamine tetraacetic acid. You know, they do these great little tricks of trying to make it look like it's something, you know, safe or it's whatever. Oh, it's EDTA. It's in everything. No, I mean, that is a dangerous chemical. Just because it's in everything doesn't mean that it's safe. And I think the fact that these food chemicals are so pervasive that there can be this feeling where people are like, oh, well, it's the last ingredient on it. That's not that much. But if it's in everything that you're eating there's every a cumulative single day, effect. And, yeah. and it's immeasurable. You yeah. know, there's really no way to be like, oh, well, this is how much of this that I'm taking in. Um, so my take-home message by the end was I just stay away from the processed foods altogether. And now I can grocery shop in less than an hour because I, like you said, stay on the outsides. I'm not reading the ingredient list because I just basically know that if it's processed and it's got, you know, an ingredient list on it, those things that are in bags or in boxes, um, and especially those convenience foods, so much of our convenience culture Mm -hmm. has come at such a high cost to our health. And that maybe is another topic for another podcast. Um, But suffice it to say, just avoid those processed foods altogether. And you're going to save yourself a lot of time, a lot of headaches, uh, both literally and and, uh, (laughs) figuratively. Um, So we've talked a lot about maybe the 
the dietary root cause. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about maybe some of the other root causes that you've seen in your practice? Sure. Um, Let's hit on infections. Okay. Because infections is huge. All right. Um, I would say nine out of 10 of every, you know, nine out of 10 of all of our clients who come in to see us are struggling with some sort of underlying infection unbeknownst to them. And we're talking about parasites, which is so common. Almost everybody has them, and they're making people sick. They can cause all types of symptoms from um, um, actual, you know, discomfort of the gut, uh, constipation, um, rashes, ringing of the ears, acne, um, anxiety and depression, ticks. Right? They can cause all kinds of issues. Every single week, we have clients calling us and emailing us. When they email us, they're emailing us oftentimes photos of the parasites that they have wow. that have come out in their bowel movements. Yes. Oh, my gosh. When they're identifying them. I bet that's them. a fun email to oh, open. <laughs> the, the staff and I, we love it. We love it. It's just, it's so, it's so awesome for us. We're just like, yes, because they're feeling better when right. they get that stuff out of their bodies. Um, they're identifying rope worms, tape worms, pinworms, just all kinds of just nastiness that's coming out of their bodies along with a ton of biofilm. You know, um, uh, there are um, um, different types of protozoa and different types of bacterial infections that are known to cause neurological issues, yet nobody's looking for that, Right. right? Nobody's looking for it. No, you know, when have you ever gone to a doctor and they're looking for something that's not the obvious, right? right? I mean, if you go into the doctor with a fever, then they're going to say, oh, let's run some blood test. Oh, yeah, you've got an infection. Well, duh. You know, it's like, I've got a fever. Of course I've got an infection. (laughs) But you can have chronic underlying infections for years and not necessarily have a fever anymore with that, right? It's chronic. Because the body just starts to say, okay, we have this thing. Now we have to try and survive with, you know, co- co- uh, co-inhabit this body with this parasite. Well, yeah, the body's just doing what it can to survive. And, and what we see in looking at the data is, you know, we can see a shift in the, in the white blood cell count. Um, we can see uh, shifts in different white blood cells, you know, lymphocytes or basophils or eosinophils or whatnot, depending on what type of infection it is. Then we can follow it, right, with organic acids testing, or we can follow it with GI map testing. And oftentimes we can identify exactly what the underlying infections are. You know, I just had a client who came to see me three months ago She's in her 60s. Well, we're virtual. So when I say come to see me, they're not physically coming into the office. So she's a surfer. And in California, she's, she's a California native. She's in her 60s. Beautiful woman. And she came to see us because she started all of a sudden having severe anxiety and panic attacks. And she was getting this strange electrocution type feeling throughout her body. We did underlying testing, and we found H. pylori and C. diff, and we found Lyme's disease, right? Um, We found the Lyme's disease probably two or three months after we found the C. diff and the H. pylori. But this is how this all went down, right? So we ordered all of the labs, Mm -hmm. 
we found underlying infections, and we found a couple of other things that we needed to address that were out of balance. When she was going through die-off, meaning while we were giving her the antimicrobials to get rid of the C. diff and the H. pylori, she had detox response, so her anxiety spiked, Mm -hmm. but only for about 24 hours, and then all of a sudden, like magic, it was gone. Wow. All right? Once she passed the infections and got them out of her body. Well, interestingly enough, within about 30 days, her symptoms started to come back again. And that is when we started suspecting that she might have some sort of other infection that we didn't initially check for. Mm -hmm. Now, Lyme's is not something that is just a a standard, like, let's check everybody for Lyme's when we're checking for infections, right? That's not something that that we just check as a run-of-the-mill. But because her symptoms started to come back so Mm -hmm. quickly like that, that's why we started suspecting that she might have Lyme's. Now, most doctors might think, oh, she's on the West Coast. She's not in an area where she's going to have limes. Well, I can tell you that there are a lot of people all over the country that are contracting limes. You can get it from mosquitoes also. And you don't have to be just in one area of the country anymore to get limes disease. We did a DNA test for limes, which is the best test out there that you can do. None of the other ones are even worth doing. You're wasting your money. And she came back with a very rare type of limes disease. And so it's all about looking under the rocks, right? Mm -hmm. Look under the rocks, get the data and figure out what's going on. So infections is another big area that we work with, right? Because if you've got underlying infections, it can give you all different kinds of symptoms, but one of them are neurological issues. Right. Back to the parasites for just a moment. Um, can you talk about where someone would maybe have come into contact with those parasites? We That's just a great question. Have them in our food or in our environment? That's a great question. So we jokingly like to say you can pick them up at the salad bar, at the local <laughs> salad bar. Really, you can get them from anywhere. I don't know where we got the idea that because we're humans that we're not going to get parasites, only our pets are going to get them. But humans pick up parasites too. We can get them from our pets We can get them from other family members. We can get them from the rare meat that many of us like to consume, right? And if you're from Texas, everybody loves to have rare steak, Mm -hmm. right? You can pick up a parasite that way. From your sushi, you go eat at the sushi bar, Mm -hmm. you can pick up a parasite like that. You can pick it up from from your vegetables, you know, I mean... Where can't you pick it up? Okay. You can pick up parasites anywhere. Right. And the notion that that we as humans, that we think that, you know, well, we're not going to get parasites. <laughs> Where did we get that notion from? People do get them, you know, all the time. And a lot of people do have them. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it, you know, it's pretty amazing to see the stories of, uh, you know, that we get every week with people calling or emailing us, um, you know, oh, my God, I just had a, I just pooped out a two foot worm, you know, seriously. Uh, or, or sometimes, you know, people will email us or, or call us because they had several worms come out. In their, right. in their stool, and they're a little bit freaked out by it because so many. And we just turn it around for them. I was like, well, no, this is a good thing. You know, you just got rid of it. How are you feeling? Oh, my God, I actually feel so much better. Wow. Like, I was feeling really bad for the last two days with migraine, and I was nauseated, and I felt bloated, and I just felt absolutely terrible. But I remembered what you said, that it was probably a die-off reaction, that I was getting ready to probably release some biofilm and some parasites. And sure enough, this morning, I had like a whole pile of worms that 
that came right out of my body. And I actually feel better than I felt in years. And so underlying infections is huge and so many people don't catch them. And it's, it's really important to understand, too, that there are different herbals that you want to use for different types of infections that are super, super effective. But we also want to not forget that infections hide out in biofilm. And biofilm is like this slimy sludge that is created by the infections so that they can hide out in there. And that's where the immune system doesn't find them. And therefore, the immune system doesn't realize after a while that the infections are still living within the body. So sneaky. They're sneaky. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're pretty sneaky. They have ways in which to survive, Right. right? And so we have to, we have to give biofilm busters, right? That's what we call them, biofilm busters, or, um, or, you know, agents that can break up the biofilm so that we can effectively get rid of all of the infections. And typically there are co-infections. So it's very rare to have just one, like one type of bacteria or one type of parasite, especially if you have parasites, you typically have co-infections with them that are like viral and some bacteria and protozoa. You usually have a whole mess of stuff going on in there. Wow. Very interesting. And then I think, um, can you just speak a little bit uh, to the die-off effect? So is that where you'll actually maybe get a little bit worse before you get better? Yes. Like your symptoms will, you're you're going, oh, man, I'm doing all the things. I'm following the ebook and I feel worse. Maybe just hold tight for a second because that that will pass as your body maybe works through those, getting rid of those different offenders. That's true. So, you know, if you... If you're eating the standard American diet, the SAD diet, where you're eating all the processed foods and you're having sodas and you're going to the drive-thru and you're just eating like that, when you first start changing over to clean foods, your first week is going to be a little tough. Mm. But that's not because you're not putting the right food in. It's because your body all of a sudden has the tools that it needs to get all the garbage out, mm. right? And, and, and yeah, you know, you might feel bad for two or three days. Typically by the fourth or fifth day, though, all of a sudden you start to feel better. And when we're talking about getting rid of infections, you know, you can have bigger die-off responses because as you kill off the infections, they release a lot of endotoxins mm. Into the body. And so, you know, that's where working with a coach is so important. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can go online and you can find the different herbals that you can use to kill off parasites and to kill off other, you know, like broad spectrum antimicrobials. But, you know, be very careful because if your detox pathways are not open and working properly, which Mm -hmm. many people, and many people, they're not in the beginning. If you don't open up your detox pathways properly and you're not supporting the system with binders to bind the toxins and you're not making sure that you're eliminating every day properly, you could make yourself sick because your, your body suddenly has toxins to release and it cannot get them out. Right. It's like you've released all of the like terrible, terrible offenders into the body and now they're just going haywire. Exactly. Making you feel much worse. Exactly. So this is like similar to, you know, when you do um, a cleanse mm-hmm. and oftentimes you actually like feel really, really terrible maybe while you're doing it or the first couple days and then at some point it kind of goes away and you feel much, much, much better. But that process of the body actually detoxing and eliminating those things can be somewhat 
uncomfortable, um, especially like you said, depending on how toxic the person's body is or how many years they've been, you know, kind of building up that toxic load. Exactly. And, you know, you can't expect your body to feel better in a day. How long have you been abusing your body? Mm. How many years have you been sick? You know, how many years have you been having these gut issues that you have? Now, I have people that come to me, and, 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 and when I ask them how long that they've been having their, their issues, or sometimes their gut issues, whatever it is, oh, I've, I started having that when I was a kid. And Ugh. these people are in their 30s or 40s. Like, you know, you cannot expect your body to turn around in a day or even mm-hmm. a week. It's going to take some time. And yeah, you might not feel good when you change your foods right away. And the foods might not even taste good to you. Right. Why? Because your taste buds are messed up from all of the crap that you've been eating for so long. Mm -hmm. But if you can get through the first, you know, 30 to 60 days, just get through it, your taste buds are going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, after you have that flare up of acne, you know, or that whatever that kind of a detox response that you have on the other side of it, you're going to feel like this amazing person. And, you know, you're, you're going to start to feel better than you've ever felt. Wow. We are, we are poisoning ourselves with our food. And we don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why, you know, so many of us in the, in the holistic care model spend so much time talking about it right. to make people aware because we can't, we can't ignore that anymore. We can't throw that under the ring and go, ah, that organic stuff, whatever, like whatever. <laughs> oh, gluten schmutten. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, that, that stuff, like, you know, I can eat whatever I want. Like that just, you know, I don't need to eat organic and spend all that extra money. No, it's like you do need to spend it because if you don't spend it on your food, on eating healthy and clean, um, you know, non-toxic cleaning products for your house and changing out your makeup and stop using all of the lotions with all the chemicals in them, Mm. you know, you are going to continue to get sick. Right. And you're going to end up spending more money later. Right. right. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, it, you know, when I'm doing my health coaching with people and they'll, they'll lament, you know, that orga- organic food is expensive. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know I'm right there with you. But the more that we keep as consumers showing this demand for this food, we will drive down the prices. And then if it's really a problem for them, you know, it's not the most pleasant thing to say, but I'll say, okay, well, let's look up how much a coronary bypass costs. Let's look up how much it's going to cost if you, at the age of 60 or 65, suddenly can't move anymore or you don't have the mental fac- you know, f- uh, faculties to take care of yourself anymore. And that's a heavy thing to think about, but, you know, but it is true. Yeah. And, and sometimes that can be the thing that kind of makes you go, okay, maybe it is going to be worth spending a little bit more now. Maybe I can pull out of my budget for, you know, X, Y, or Z, so I have a little bit money for more money for food. Um, I love that you mentioned earlier about the organic farm that actually can, you know, send you a weekly box of organic food. You don't even have to go anywhere. I love that the the convenience culture is now moving also into the realm of of healthy food and trying to make being healthy more convenient as well. Um, but largely, there's just, uh, I definitely agree with you that that um, dietary component, it, so many people take it for granted or they'll kind of roll their eyes at me when I start talking about it. And, um, you know, we have all of those kind of cliches, you are what you eat. 
um, let food be thy medicine, that people maybe just aren't, uh, you know, until they're able to experience that for themselves, it can be a little bit hard to really fully understand how much the foods we eat truly do affect us and not just affect our waistline, um, but so many of these other things, these day-to-day like kind of life concerns that are going to either leave us feeling happy and fulfilled or can really make us feel super miserable throughout our lives. Exactly. And that's where our data-driven approach is so powerful because the data doesn't lie. And once people can see what their labs come back showing, Mm -hmm. then they can't ignore that anymore, right? You know, if you do a test that is showing you that, oh, you know, this is why my brain chemistry is low because I'm having malabsorption issues, which is basically... I'm malnourished because I'm having these malabsorption issues. And, mm-hmm. and yes, I'm, I'm having these malabsorption issues because I've been eating contaminated foods that have destroyed the ecosystem of my gut. Oh, gee, like now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you can look at it in a data format, right, the data doesn't lie. And, and right. that usually really helps to convince people. Right. <laughs> and, yes, we can use supplements that are very specific to changing the different brain chemicals in the body getting inflammation down, getting the thyroid back in order, getting your, you know, reproductive hormones back in balance. But a lot of it, believe it or not, can be done with the food. Mm -hmm. Now, the food alone will take longer than when you add the supplements in, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't do the foundational stuff, you're never going to make the change. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works every single time. And, you know, if you end up going to one ER visit, one, you're going to walk out of there potentially $7,000 in the hole, $9,000 in the hole. Mm-hmm. I had a, a mom called me a month ago because her son had been in the hospital like four times over the course of 2018. He's in his early 20s. He can't get a job. He can't go to college. He lives at home because he's so sick with gut issues and anxiety and depression. It, I mean, the kid can't even function. How much is that costing the parents? Yeah. And how much is that going to cost him? Because he can't even get a job. Yeah. So how much is he losing in lost wages because he can't get a job? Right. right. And how much extra is that costing his parents every time he has to go to the hospital? And she tells me it's like seven to $9,000 every time they have to go to the ER. And they end up sending him home with steroids and more anti-anxiety which medications, which huge. just which all it's doing is making the problem worse, right? Or take the older <laughs> take the older person. Let's take the older person who ends up in the nursing home, you know, earlier than they should. Mm. You know, I don't know how many listeners, you know, know how much it cost. But when my grandmother was in a care facility, you know, we we were all throwing money in to keep her in a nice one, and it was like six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month, oh and that and that didn't include all the ancillary expenses to keep right. her in a place that we were comfortable enough to have her in, right. you know, something that was comfortable. That was so expensive. We were all having to take out of our savings. We were all having to pay for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we tried keeping her at home, but that was really hard. So we would try keeping her at home and... And we tried getting somebody to help care for her, but she would run them out of the house all the time. You know, it was very, very difficult. And and we eventually had to put her somewhere where where there were pro- professionals that could 
really help monitor her and and help to pick her up and bathe her and, and all of this. And it was so expensive. And if if we knew now what or if we knew then what we know know now, mm. my grandmother wouldn't have ended up spiraling into the ill health that she spiraled into. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, you know, we all ended up paying for that. But if we had known, we could have paid for it on the front end, right. and it really would have cost less than and paying for it on the back end like that, and then having all of the, all of the, the distress. It was really, yeah. it was emotionally distressing to see, you know, our family member who we loved, you know, our matriarch of our family, yeah. um, getting sicker and sicker and going downhill and struggling, and she knew what was happening to her body. Right. She knew what was happening to her body, but there was, you know, there was there was nothing she could do at that point. Right. Other than to just she was watching herself die. Mm. And it was and it was costly in more ways than just the amount that we were paying for the for the home, you know, for the nursing home that she was in. Right. right? And so when I tell people pay for it now or pay for it later, like I am not kidding. Yeah. And it's (laughs) not just the monetary payments we're talking about. Um, And that really, to me, you know, when that's people's excuse, because a lot of times people will just have their excuses. I mean, we're, we're creatures of habit. We don't like to change. It can be hard to change. It can be scary, so scary to change. Um, but to, to see how much is at risk and how much is at stake that we kind of trade in for, for the convenience, for the comfort of staying in our comfort zone. Um, and, you know, and as you said, it really, you know, often takes um, a very heavy situation that can really be the impetus for someone to, okay, I'm ready to make these changes or I'm ready to look for another solution. Um, one of my kind of big uh, areas of interest that I personally feel uh, is a big contributing factor to a lot of the m- neurological related things um, is the demonization of fats in the diet. The idea that we were told, stop eating fats, don't eat fats, reduce your fat intake. And I've seen so many people um, that I've worked with personally who were working together, um, and you start to see this little link between people who are trying to be healthy or trying to lose weight. They're removing fats from their diet. They're scared of eating fats. They're scared of eating butter. They're scared of eating coconut oil because they think that it's going to make them overweight. And I'm like, put those things back in your diet. And they come back to me and they're like, actually, I didn't gain weight and I feel better. And I feel like I have like more energy. And then I started actually working out more because I felt better. And I just started seeing this link, um, you know, which interestingly, uh, a lot of the information that was demonizing fats and trying to tell people that it was so bad was actually coming from funding from the sugar industry. And then you look at all the fat-free foods. What do they all have? A whole lot more sugar. Sugars and carbs. Yeah, it's kind of like added this, you know, compounding effect where people aren't getting the fats that they need for the brain to be healing and repairing. All the neurotransmitters that really rely on those fats are made of fats, um, compounded with the fact that then people aren't satisfied 
And they're eating more sugar and they're eating more carbs and they're eating all of this. And then the weight spirals out of control, the blood sugar metabolism spirals out of control. And it's just this kind of chaos uh, that to me kind of comes back to what I call the low fat trap. <laughs> and um, I don't know. So I'm just interested to maybe hear your perspective on no, that. No, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Our food pyramid, uh, well, I mean, do I need to say that it's just <laughs> like the worst thing ever? You know, seven to nine servings of grains a day. Um, I really hope that the people listening on this podcast like know better than to follow that old food pyramid. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Fats are fats are foundational for our health. Fats and amino acids, fatty acids and amino acids, you have to have those. They are building blocks for your body. Your your brain cannot regenerate without the fats. Your body cannot make hormones without the fats. Um, you know, I like to put things in perspective. Right, so let's take a look at this. Fats and amino acids, or fats and proteins, people cannot live without those. We would die without those, mm -hmm. right? But we don't have to live with carbohydrates and sugars. We can literally survive without those. Those are not essential for us to survive, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, if you look at it in that perspective, it really gives you, you know, a whole nother outlook on, on, on putting fats back into your diet. Mm -hmm. You know, people, people will lose weight if they will eat more fat, right? Healthy fats, right? Mm -hmm. Healthy fats. If they'll eat more fats and get ample amounts of amino acids, right? And just cut out all the boxed stuff that they've been eating all their lives, all of the carbs and sugars and processed stuff. Your body will transform. That's absolutely true. You know, another great example is babies when they're newborns. What is the very first breast milk that is produced? It's called colostrum, right? It's a very fatty, dense, right? It's a, a very densely fat, full of colostrum, full of fat milk. And any mammal is, you know, is, is producing this for their, for their child. The very, very first milk is, is, is the colostrum. We have to have those fats for the baby's brain to develop. The baby's brain cannot develop properly if you don't have a high amount of fat. Wow. Right? And so, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because fats are super important. And they're tasty. They are tasty. They're so tasty. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. <laughs> Fats um, are my dessert, right? Yeah. Like I don't need anything sugary. Just give me something that is fatty, and I'm I'm totally totally happy with that, right? Yeah. Can you, while we're kind of on the subject, can you maybe talk about some of the healthy fats that you like to recommend to people, or things that you personally love? Yeah. Well, so I love roasting vegetables, and I love putting a nice heavy amount of avocado oil on it. I mean, I will pretty much drown my broccoli <laughs> in avocado oil. And then some sea salt, you know, I'll put a little bit of sea salt and pepper. And um, so whenever I'm cooking with my foods, I always use a lot of oil. Like I go crazy with it. I just pour it all over my food. Um, and, you know, that's very satiating too for, mm -hmm. for people. So people that are hungry all the time, yeah. that are eating carbs and sugars, carbs and sugars, and they're starving, right? It's because they're not getting the essential nutrients that they need which come from fats and amino acids or, you know, fats and proteins, mm -hmm. they're, they're putting their body with all this empty energy that their body can't do anything with. 
And so, you know, once you change them over to fats, they're not hungry anymore. Right. Um, but um, avocados are so delicious. And you can do some crazy stuff with avocados like that. Ma- like you make that chocolate avocado pudding. Oh, yeah. Have you have you ever made that? I've not made it myself, but I've had some that my friends have made. And yes, it's um, amazing. Oh, my gosh. Like that is so good. And fat bombs mm-hmm. are absolutely are absolutely d- delicious. We'll we make one that's like a it's like a peanut butter cup. Right. But it doesn't have the sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sweeten it with like monk fruit or chicory root fiber, different things like that. And so mm-hmm. we'll take the pure dark chocolate and we melt it and then we add the fat to it. Mm-hmm. And then we use um, coconut oil and we mix it with coconut flakes and different things. And uh, and then we'll, we can also do it with, with peanut butter. So that's the Almond Joy one when you do it with the coconut, right? Okay. But when you do it, when you do it with the, with the uh, not peanut butter, but we use like a, an almond butter, like an mm. organic almond butter. And, uh, and we'll make desserts like that. Oh my God, it's so delicious. Right. Right. I mean, you could make all kinds of desserts out of, you know, fatty foods, but savory can be just as good as sweet. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you, if you kind of get where I'm going with that, but you know, if I'm craving something, it's typically not even going to be like a, uh, some of these like fat bombs that, that you're talking about. For me, it's going to be, give me just a really fatty piece of fish, Right or a fatty piece of protein with uh, with maybe a, a small piece of sweet potato, and I'm gonna just drown it in coconut oil. <laughs> you know, I'll just put coconut oil. It's so good with coconut oil. You don't even need butter. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's just of staying away from from dairy because dairy can cause some issues too. Right. You know, most humans are having uh, inflammatory responses to dairy. Maybe it wasn't always like that, but. It's evolved that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just because of the dairy itself or because we are all having leaky guts now, right? Or if it's because there are hormones and antibiotics in a Mm. lot of the dairy, right, that's compounding the problem. But dairy causes a lot of inflammatory reactions too that can also change the brain chemistry. And so whenever we're talking about you know, healthy fats, you know, if you're really a healthy person and you're not having issues with your health, then if you're going to do, you know, a, a, a dairy based fat, then, you know, go for like the Kerrygold butter or something that's a grass fed butter or, or, or a grass fed ghee, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there's no reason to go conventional because you're getting all the hormones and antibiotics in that butter. It's just, it's nasty, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're sick, and we need to heal you, there's a lot of great alternatives. You don't have to do butter. Even if you grew up thinking that butter makes everything better, which I grew up that way, and I'm, you know, I love butter, but there are certain times over the year, you know, when I'm doing healing, like right now I'm going through a 90-day detox, and I'm, I'm not eating that. So last night when I had some sweet potato with my dinner, I drowned it in some coconut oil and it was just as good and I, right and I, I told my husband like why don't I just use that all the time you know it's actually it actually tastes better than using right. the butter right mm-hmm. so and you had mentioned earlier about how our uh, our taste buds change so much you know a lot of times um, as people are transitioning over to those healthier options 
you know, and I know that you had kind of mentioned this earlier, there can be this kind of time of transition where uh, your taste buds are just getting used to these new foods. Once you've been avoiding the high fructose corn syrup, the processed sugars, because um, not only are they bad, but the sheer volume of them that are used in these processed foods to where, you know, I have this uh, I like doing videos where I'll show different foods and then like how many sugar packets they have. So like Coca-Cola's, you know, and it'll be like 16, I can't remember exactly, 16 or 17 sugar packets in one soda, like the little like liter soda. I would have thought it would have been more than that. And I'm like, have you ever added 17 sugar packets mm -hmm. to something you were drinking? And a lot of people are drinking those several times a day. Those coconut, or not coconut, <laughs> I love coconut. Why did I say that? Uh, those Starbucks drinks. Oh my gosh. Will be like 20, so 25. Yeah, you those know? are terrible. So part of it is the presence and how, you know, just common it is. It's used in everything. And part of it is that, you know, when we're eating these processed conventional foods, we're taking in a volume of sugar that is just unheard of and, of course, extremely toxic. So it can take a little bit of time for your taste buds to start transitioning over. But after a while of eating these naturally sweetened foods, your body will start to come to crave those. And they're going to taste just as good, if not better, than all of those other things you're used to eating. Plus, um, you'll feel better. And you'll feel better. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think a lot about you know, the processing that is involved with the way that they make these different things. And, you know, just to throw in another thing, the heavy metal exposure that we get from eating processed foods that are going through these huge giant factories, um, the heavy metals is another thing that can have, again, all those different slews of effects. Um, but that's just, again, one of those benefits of starting to get away from the conventional foods because you'll start actually being able to taste what food should really taste like. And those things that are naturally sweetened and naturally flavored, I'm to the point now where, you know, I crave green smoothies and I crave broccoli and salads. And, you know, my body has just come to a point where it kind of knows what it wants. And once we can get into a point where we're feeding our body with nutritious things, it'll tell us what it needs. Oh, I need more fats. I need more of this. Maybe your body wants more carbs. And then you opt, like you said, for sweet potatoes or one of these natural sources of carbohydrates that the body can really handle and use for energy in a really effective way rather than depleting the body, which is what most of those processed carbs are doing to us. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's absolutely true. Well, Dr. V, I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Do you have any, I guess, closing thoughts for our listeners or recommendations of other things that maybe we didn't cover yet today? I would just say that, you know, to everyone listening is remember that, that there are oftentimes multiple underlying root causes. We only touched on some of them today, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, others can be hormone imbalances, um, autoimmune diseases can cause um, secondary effects of, of neurological issues uh, like Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid autoimmune issue. Um, but even if you don't have Hashimoto's, just having thyroid imbalances can also cause a problem. So there are a lot of things that you want to take into consideration um, when you're looking at why your body is having symptoms, whether it's a brain issue or a neurological issue or not 
not, oftentimes there are multiple underlying causes. So I would just say, you know, find yourself a good health coach, get somebody to guide you through it Mm -hmm. so that you're not, you know, wasting your money and your time trying things and feeling frustrated because you think that it's not working. If you get Mm -hmm. a health coach, they're going to be able to guide you. Right. Well, I just want to thank you so much. And I can't wait to have you back on the program again. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. For all of you listening, you can visit balanceyourbrain.com to download the free ebook, or you can text 31996 to brain. I said that wrong. Or you can text brain to 31996, and you'll also be able to get the ebook. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. V or potentially set up either an in-person or virtual appointment with her and her staff, you can visit modernholistichealth.com. I want to thank all of you so much for listening. I truly hope that this podcast has left you feeling empowered and enlightened. You can learn more about us and check out all of our other informational videos by visiting us at wellnessplus.tv. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and come back and join us again soon. We're the only country in the world that separates the mind from the body. The only country. I'm joined today by Athena Jezik, Ed Norden, Robert Gardner, Dr. Paula Bruno. The body has a natural ability and tendency to want to heal. It doesn't have to be complicated or costly. I can talk science. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk science for sure. You do often need to supplement with magnesium. Unbalanced life will make a mess of your face. Vitally important to make sure that the entire system is opened up. Actually, happiness and suffering are states of mind. They're not external things. Do you have any recommendations for our <laughs> listeners? Use a tennis ball. Vinyasa or Hatha yoga. Try a HIIT workout. You only got to do 20 minutes. Every day, having a practice for yourself. We're not powerless. Right. To improve our situation. Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. The Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.